Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to one last Hawkeye spoiler special. Yes, the latest and some might even say best Disney Plus MCU show may have wrapped up its six episode run just before Christmas, but it still lives on in our memory and in our hearts. And with Moon Knight just around the corner, I thought it was time to bring you this extended post-finale interview that I did with Rhys Thomas, the British director who oversaw episodes 1 and 2, and the finale itself. Rhys and I had a good, long chat about pretty much every major moment from the finale, which of course saw Jeremy Renner's Clint Barton and Hayley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop team up against the Tracksuit Mafia, Florence Pugh's Yelena Belova, and even the Kingpin played once again, by Vincent D'Onofrio. We talked about tears, we talked about trick shots, we talked about tiny tracksuit mafia men being carried off by great big CG owls. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And I will say, as well, word of warning, that Reese was using headphones that weren't working that well, and so there is a, a glitch whenever he speaks throughout the, the whole thing. But hopefully you'll get used to that very, very quickly because he has a lot to say and a lot worth listening to. Here he is, Reese Thomas. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on this very special Hawkeye special, I keep saying special, uh, by the director of episodes one, two, and of course the finale, episode six, Reese Thomas. How the devil are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How's it been now? It's been a, it's been a couple of weeks since Hawkeye. Christmas has come and gone. The new year has come and gone. What's it been like? Were you tracking the reaction to this, to the finale in particular? And, and how's it been for you? I did track it a little bit, um, but, but I tried to look away as well. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been interesting. Hawkeye is, uh, you know, again, it's been great to see how uh, people have really embraced it, and uh, and it was, you know, fun a fun thing to be going on uh, over the Christmas season. But um, but it's also probably the biggest thing I've ever done, and and so I've also sort of had to. I, I sort of became quickly aware that it's probably just best to get, keep your head down <laughs> and ignore all of the noise. Uh, so I, I did my best, but but it's it's good. Yeah, it was it was nice to have it come out and um, and you know for, I gather that that people enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, we're good. <laughs> they did. There were a number of talking points, some of which we'll get into uh, as as yeah. the, as this conversation goes on. What was the last thing you did for this episode? What was the last thing you finished? What was the the last bit where the paint was still wet, the the eyes still had to be dotted, and the T's still had to be crossed? Oh, interesting. I think our last day of shooting, we actually we did some of the uh, Jeremy sucking the Christmas tree, um, which which it was one of those things that we kept putting off. We'd we'd sort of be standing there, and it would be on the schedule, but um, it would you know it obviously involved uh, some engineering getting him in the tree, and we'd be looking at the tree, and and then, so by the time we actually came around to uh, shooting it, the tree had uh, the big tree that we'd we bought and been nursing uh, had withered quite a bit. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was this amusing um, sort of piecemeal thing that we assembled around Jeremy uh, to, to shoot those bits. He's essentially sort of standing on a platform uh, surrounded by the sort of fleshiest bits of the tree that we could, we could salvage. And actually then we did, I think we had to come back and grab a little bit more at the end of the day. And it was, and they'd already, taken it to the dumpster. So I remember some people had to dive into a dumpster to sort of pull out uh, some more bits for us. <laughs> so yeah, that was it for sure. Amazing. Yeah, because I, I, my mind was blown by that, that, that sequence, that showdown, the whole action sequence in and around 30 Rock, on the ice rink, in and around the Christmas tree. Uh, how the, 
I mean, first of all, where did that idea come from to do that? Because you're not making life easy for yourself. Uh, and <laughs> secondly, how did you do it? Did you shoot anything on location or was it all smoke and mirrors? Um, so the idea for it, it's Marvel, obviously. And so, you know, I think people, we knew we were headed to some big um, showdown. And obviously throughout the series, you know, it is like a snowball of a series in that we accumulate um, more characters and people that, that Clint is going to have to deal with at some point. So we needed a venue uh, for that to happen. Um, and I, I think Rockefeller Center, even though I have a very intimate relationship with Rockefeller Center, having worked there yeah. for about um, 12 or 13 years, uh, it wasn't, it didn't come from me. I think it was, I think Kevin Feige pinpointed it or asked for it. Um, it may have been Jonathan. I can't remember where it was exactly where it was but yes um i definitely was very excited uh, as soon as that situation came up because yeah I'd, I'd wrestled with tourists at uh, around that christmas trip at christmas time uh year year on and you're out uh so it was it was going to be a cathartic experience um and then in terms of shooting on location um yeah we did uh sort of at the very beginning uh a shooting we did a few weeks in new york just you know just to kind of set the landscape up as best we could um practically we uh, you know for people unawares we most of it was shot in atlanta mm. um but uh but yes we 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 picked up some surgical pieces that helped um you know just the, the bits that felt like again if we can just get some of these real world elements just these some of these transitional moments uh it, it'll help merge what we're doing later um but but um, beyond that, it was a massive set build uh, in Atlanta um, to actually achieve it because, yeah, we wouldn't have obviously been able to drop the real Christmas tree uh, in <laughs> Rockefeller Center and, and all of those things. Well, you could if you went if you went guerrilla, guerrilla filmmaking. You know, if you were really committed uh, to your if, art if race. I were Michael, if I were Michael Bay, I would have insisted on it. And, uh, yeah, no, yes, fully. Um, and I did flirt. I, I did have late-night thoughts of flirting with, uh, with these demands, but um, – uh, but yeah, no, with the, again, uh, we had a great production design team and a visual effects supervisor and a lot of people who reassured me that, um, we could, we could execute it, uh, you know, quite well, um, in, in a, in pretend film way. <laughs> so that's what we did. It's a, yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's some shots, there's a shot, I think of Kate running outside the building where the, the stonework, the marble work looked so real. I was like, that's got to be the real thing. And then obviously, well, it, it's got to be a set, but how much of it was real? How much of it wasn't real? I was wondering if maybe you'd picked up the phone and called Lorne and gone, Hey, listen, can we just, <laughs> you just keep everyone busy whilst we run around yeah. and shoot downstairs. Yeah, no, we, again, it was fun. We, we were there at Christmas time and the Christmas tree was up and, and when we shot on location. And uh, and so, you know, I, I was down there and, and did call upstairs to, you know, some old co-workers uh, to let them know we were down there. But um, but no, it, the, the, again, our, our scenic artists and, and, and Maya Shugamuchi, our, our production designer, the, the, the set pieces that we did have, and again, we were very surgical about knowing sort of obviously places that our characters could interact with or we were going to spend time up close to, they did this amazing job of just really documenting the real place and, and really studied the textures of the, of the stonework and the, and the signage and all of that stuff. And so, and when it was recreated in Atlanta, I mean, I, I had, you know, these uncanny uh, moments of, of just standing on the steps of the ice rink that we built and even the weathering on the granite, um, you know, just felt, completely right like you could stand next to it again in a photograph and you'd swear that you were there it was it was 
really impressive. Um, and, and yeah, similarly, like, you know, when they, you see them run down the side of the building, we built a section, you know, a vertical section of the building to do that um, stuff with that was probably only four stories high. But um, but again, it looked so good. And um, yeah, and that was the approach throughout the whole show in general was to, you know, in all fairness, like a philosophy early on, because this is a real world story with characters that don't fly, there's no super, you know, there's, there's no uh, extraterrestrial elements in this one or, or, or you know, that, that trying to keep it feeling as grounded as possible was always sort of an overriding philosophy for me. And, 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 you know, so, so working closely with, with Greg Steele, our visual effects supervisor and, and my, uh, um, our production designer, you know, we just, the, the line was that we'd always try and get as much practical reality around our characters as, as possible, no matter what the mm. challenge was, just to give as much set, you know, enough things to ground a shot or ground a scene so that, you know, again, your, your eyes, you're not going to get distracted by the, you know, the plasticity of, of a visual effects um, environment, uh, you know, which, which again, we were working with the best. We are working with like a, a ILM were our, our vendors on that, on that whole last sequence. Um, and so it did, and also did an amazing job of scanning we spent days scanning that entire space as well. So we had a full reconstruction of that place that was, um, that, yeah, we can move around. It was, again, the whole, I, I talk, I'm talking as though this is uh, an everyday thing for me, but it, it was <laughs> kind of my, I was, I was constantly kind of blown away, like as shots would come in or as we were talking, I was like, wait, we can do that. We can, you know, it was just, it, it was definitely an education for me in terms of just, you know, taking a leap into um, trusting these guys and, and knowing, you know, what, how it, you know, their confidence in, in like, don't worry, this will be better, better real. Like, you're not like, it, you yeah. know, it's what I call inv invisible VFX. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's VFX that call attention to themselves. And there's, there's this type of stuff that, that kind of, you know, you just, you don't know if you're looking at it. And it was, it was great. Which leads me to ask about the owl. Was the owl real? <laughs> <Double A. laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to say it was. It was based on a real owl. Um, <laughs> uh, there was actually what was funny is when we were the, the when we were there scouting and, and that, that tree. Uh, I think it was probably 2019. I'm trying to remember my years, but it, oh, like everyone else, the past year has blurred into uh, into something amorphous. But um, there was a real owl that had lodged itself in the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center um, around the time they were writing this. So that was where that idea came from. Um, and uh, no, unfortunately, we couldn't get a real owl to cooperate and interacting with Jeremy like that or, or to pick up the little truck, obviously. So uh, we built that one. It's, and it's actually, it was funny, it's my, my daughter's favorite little stuffed animal is, a, is this little owl um, that she yeah. calls BB and so that album tree is is essentially it's it's, it's it looks like uh, like yeah maybe her little uh, <laughs> little stuffed animal. That is amazing. Uh, I love that gag, by the way, where the owl picks up the fan full of tracksuit <laughs> mafia henchmen and just flies off with it. That is a really dark gag. Uh, I'm presuming those guys <laughs> soon got eaten, <laughs> eaten alive by the owl. No, I like I like to think that they were deposited somewhere, and you know, and and uh, are now still sort of on the adventure of of, uh, of trying to. Uh, you know, find their way back to normal size and surviving, surviving on the streets uh, in a diminutive form. Uh, yeah, no, it was fun. And you, I mean, you got to pay off the owl somehow. Uh, and uh, yeah, it felt like a fun little 
way to relieve the tension of the action. Absolutely. And that 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 aspect of things, by the way, that's the next Marvel show, if if Kevin's listening to this. In fact, I'm speaking <laughs> to Kevin in an hour and a half, so I will pitch this to him uh, yeah, and walk out of there yeah. with, a, with, a, with a life-changing deal. Uh, Tiny Tracksuit Mafia men making their way in New York. That's 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 the show. <laughs> Reese, if you want to come in on the ground floor with me, then that's entirely up to you. Yeah, yeah no, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. This is a real thing. Um, <laughs> so you talked about keeping the action grounded, and that obviously happens in this uh, in the finale as well but it also leaps up a notch or, or 10 uh with the kingpin and with all the trick arrows uh, you set the snowball rolling down the hill episodes one and two then you stepped away for episode three Bert and birdie came in and they got to do all the fun stuff with the trick arrows in that car chase mm-hmm. <laughs> so you must have been yeah. delighted that you finally got a chance to do some trick arrow stuff with the the pim arrows and the <laughs> electric course, yeah. arrow and everything in, in this what was that what was that like for you Oh yeah, no, it was it was fun. I mean, I you know, I, the, the, there's a sequence in the in the fraction run of comics that that uh, which you know essentially the, the the car chase in in the comic book run and um, where where there is that sort of that joke that you know because Clint essentially in the comic had set out that day to go and get a label. You know, he was gonna he was gonna organize his arrows yes. and, and get some and put some labels on them, and then he doesn't, and then of course they get into the car chase, and and you don't know what arrow is coming next. So I was. I was wanted the thing that to me was a, such a funny idea to play with these trick arrows. And so uh, I wanted that to make it into the car chase for sure. Uh, or that to be the setup for it and, and to play with that. But, uh, but yes, for, in terms of getting to um, six, that whole thing on the ice rink was like this ever evolving conversation. Cause you know, yeah, you were just like coming up with trick arrows. It was just like, well, what, what else? would be fun and how would that work you know and, and this thing is like there's not like this real world examples of what that does so um so yeah it was, again i've got it my greg Steele was was the, my closest cohort again our visual effects supervisor in that we were constantly trading back and forth different sort of you know theoretical ideas for arrows some of which we don't you know some obviously we, we see early in the car chase but then yeah, with all these other new ones, and um, yeah, it's 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 I don't know, it's just a funny, it was a funny challenge to just figure out the legit, you know the logic of of what this is and where it would come from and, and how did he get it, you know? Because again, it's it's that's a funny thing about Marvel. I think the way that they've set up the universe, if you really think about, you know, it it no matter how crazy things get, they've done an amazing job of always anchoring it in some kind of reality, whether it's an emotional reality or but but. The humanity of it is always there. You know, it's 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 not it's not a supernatural thing necessarily. There's always a kind of a sense of connection, and so and you, it enters your thinking again. Like it's it's not like you could just take these crazy logic jumps in terms of like, well, it just does this, and I don't know how it works. Like you kind of have to know how it works somehow, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah, that's that's what Marvel sort of set up. Did you have a favorite arrow though uh, out of the ones that? Clint and Kate uh, use. Well, I, you know, it's funny is the the one that I mean the the one. Well, actually, there was two. There was the the magnetic one that Clint fires at the beginning, only because and if, so I don't know if you remember, he fires this magnetic arrow and it, yeah, it pings up all the um, flagpoles and and sort of magnetizes them, and it that sucks up all of the bad guys' guns. Mm-hmm. And that to me, because I I was constantly I was just like, look, he's in the ice ring. He's essentially he's in the pit. And he surrounded all sides by guys with guns. They were just, it's like, they can shoot him immediately. Like, we've got this huge problem here about, you know, he's a sitting duck. And, and you know, why aren't they firing? How are they not? And so, yeah, when I when I realized, like, well, yeah, let's just, let's just 
take all the weapons off it <laughs> like and and we'll just do it like that and uh so that one's a favorite because it just solved this uh, a bit of a logic problem for me and then uh and then the frozen leg arrow that is a quick shot of a guy who gets shot and his leg kind of freezes up and and uh that one's a favorite because that was that was one that greg Steele, our visual effects supervisor came up with and that i i felt was too dark and there was again a slight continuation shot where you see the guy's leg just break off which oh, we geez. which we which we walk back on but uh it's uh, but that was always the pitch and i was always like really we're gonna see this guy lose his leg and, and uh and so there was some, there was some previous of it but uh yeah it's just let's say it just got frozen he got stuck in the ice is what really happened <laughs> and it, it wore off like an hour later and everything was fine yeah yeah and he was fine and 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 his three little shrunken guy friends had disappeared and he went up to go find them <laughs> so, so so as far as you're concerned none of the tracksuit mafia even though they were there to kill clint and kate perish in that in that struggle they're all they all just brush it off and walk off the next morning and they're, they're right as right <laughs> oh, no there was some I think some people went down for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that was an interesting thing. You know, it's like it's 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 a different, um, but you know, because the, sh- the tone of the show is is light and and in some ways, and and yeah, you've got this full on invasion of Rockefeller Center at the end, and you've got a guy with a bow and arrow, uh, you know, and and a, and a gal with a bow and arrow. To, it, it it you know you do sort of become aware of the definitely the, the body count and um, and sort of and you know, the, the, the rights and wrongs of, of what's going on. So we sort of did our best to kind of balance, you know, I think if someone was really posing a genuine threat, uh, you know, they were armed or whatever, I, I think those ones, you know, sort of, yes, maybe they perished. I don't know. But, uh, but, but a lot of them just got, you know, sort of concussed um, and came, walked away with some bruising. <laughs> and, and learned a valuable life lesson, uh, you know, to, to yeah, go straight. Exactly. I'm going straight tomorrow, promise. Uh, exactly, yeah. But in a way, and I, I do want to talk about you know the fact that you know that, you know obviously you're you're paying off a lot of stuff that you've set up over the last five episodes here. There are a lot of showdowns, physical showdowns, but also emotional showdowns, and and I wanted to talk about that, but also this this idea of, and I think it stems from this this idea of of accountability. And there's been discussion about this show and and pretty much all the the MCU shows and Disney Plus so far, you know, WandaVision and and Loki which are shows that delve a little deeper into the red and people's ledgers and this idea mm-hmm. of accountability and, and punishment. And it's interesting because Clint, obviously, at the end of the show, puts Ronan to one side. He burns the suit. He walks away from it all. Was there a discussion about whether that was enough for that character? Eleanor, for example, goes to prison, or we assume she goes to prison for her crimes, and Clint is going through an emotional ringer, obviously, but was there, you know, but he gets to the, he gets the happy ending. Was there any discussion about whether there should be more or whether, you know, that was, that was enough for that character? Yeah, I know. Of course. Yes. I mean, the whole journey here is, is definitely Clint wrestling with, um, with that red ledger. And, and, um, and that's what I always found. That was my entry for the show. What was that we were, you know, getting, I think we talked about this before that's mm. getting to, watch this guy sort of wrestle with his sense of self-worth and, and to, you know, and to me, the internal struggle. And again, this is just the way I internalized it. It was, you know, it's, it's Clint, you know, it's almost questioning, is he more the Ronin or is he more Hawkeye um, was sort of the struggle through the show, you know, like a, as a person, like, a, am I really, was, was Ronin my true self, you know? And, um, and that kind of self-doubt that, 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 you know, I think we can all identify with. And so, you know, it was something to, deal with and in terms of whether burning the suit at the end and whether that's a full closed door for him 
Um, you know, I think the, the wonderful thing about I think the way Jeremy plays everything is that, you, you know, he's, Jeremy's not, you know, Clint Bard's not someone who necessarily walks into a happy ending. Um, so while, yes, there's a, there's a closure in burning the suit, I, you know, I think because of the way the show handled the suit and, and sort of the Ronin, it was more, it was more the physical nature of the suit and the danger that that posed and, and the, by being out there and, and sort of that, that, that he's closing the door on. Whether he's closing it emotionally, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I would say he's, he's not because um, Clint's not the type of person that could do that. But um, so, so, I mean, I guess I'm sort of hedging my bets here in an answer, but, but to me, that was the way I, I sort of reconciled it was that it was, it was sort of, you know, an attempt to close that door. And obviously we see him, donning the running suits when he, and, and coming to, to Maya and essentially, you know, uh, sort of admitting who he is and, 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 and revealing himself in that way, which we hadn't seen before. Um, and, you know, and then, the, you know, the Elena, there's, there's all, there's obviously lots of iterations of him kind of having to confront the different iterations of who he is and, and, and what's sort of on his ledger. Um, so, so, you know, I think we go a long way to, to trying to, 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 Get to the sense of reconciliation, but I, I would definitely not sort of say that we tied it all up and that it's mm. clean for him now. Yeah, You're right. he's clearly going to be uh, struggling with a lot of stuff for a long time. Not yeah. least, he's he sat through half of Rogers a musical. That's going to be tough for anyone exactly. to get to grips with. I mean, that's hundred <laughs> <Yeah>, percent. <laughs> We're talking three a.m. cold sweat nightmares, the whole kitten caboodle, but. The uh, the the last shot of the of the show I I loved it, which is the the pullback as Kate and Clint are are, are bar- uh, bickering, or I was going to say bartering, yeah. they're bickering, um, <laughs> and you have the the target that we see in at the beginning of Endgame, yeah. now, which of course could be seen, you know, that was the in a way the emotional trigger. That was what he. That's what he and his daughter were playing with the day she disappeared. So that's what set him off yeah. in the path to be to be Ronan. Was that your thinking behind that final shot, or was there something else behind that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it is, it's a low, it's a, it's a meaningful, um, symbol, obviously, you know, uh, both, both literally just as, as Hawkeye, um, you know, that, that's obviously that the target is a signature piece, but yes, that it was, I mean, really when I went on my first location scout to that original Barton farm, you know, farmhouse, um, and yeah, it was kind of, you know, again, as a fan of, of the movies, you know, sort of seeing that tree and that field and those bonds and, 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 you know, that particular scene from the beginning of end game, um, you know, knowing that like that, that was the spot, uh, you know, you, you had to get over there and, and yes. So, so, so tying that kind of significance for sure was, was, was part of that um, shot. Yeah. It's, just, it's, I don't know, it's loaded, but uh, mm. um, yeah. In, in a few different ways, but yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, it was cool. I was like, how could you not essentially <laughs> when you're there? It's like, well, we've got to get to it. Precisely. And another thing that you had to do in this episode was, you know, I think when we knew that Yelena was going to be in this, you know, I, I, there was a, an expectation that she and Clint might initially butt heads, but there would be a reconciliation of sorts. Uh, and you, it's left towards the finale. What I don't think people expected was just how raw and emotional it would be, not least because mm-hmm. Yelena has largely in the show, Florence Pugh's been hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. all her interactions with with Kate are hilarious. And then yeah. you have that confrontation on the ice. And it's so raw and emotional. Can you talk about that where the, the, the where that came from, the idea to, to keep it that, that raw and that real? And the performances from the both are fantastic. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think, you know, it had to be an emotional reconciliation. There was no sort of 
I don't think there was a there was a there wasn't a form of sort of playful um, banter, uh, you know, that that Clint could work this out. And I think you know Jeremy is a very raw actor, and, and Florence is obviously amazing too. So I think ultimately. Uh, you know, I think that rawness was just—it was going to come out because because that's what Natasha and and that meeting and everything you know meant to to both of them as as actors and characters. You know, I think you know Jeremy's someone when you talk to him about uh, about Clint, you know, it's it's a very internal thing to him. You know, that he he I think he thinks and feels those stories. He lived them for so long, but you know, it's a so it's um it's not just an academic exercise. I think he he's you know definitely got some sort of tap in there to that so um so yeah you know of course you want to see them fight but but i think it's more that uh, you know clint wants to be heard somehow but he also understands he knows what she needs and and what she's going through and i think you know you kind of want to see clint uh you know my my feeling is that look if she's gonna kill him or she needs to kill him or needs to shoot him to get her peace then yeah you know i think he's resigned to it in that moment um you know it's it's sort of he knows what she has to work through here because uh you know he he obviously has has gone to a similar dark place um and and not expected any understanding you know when he was the ronin so that i don't know again it's i think his arc as a character through the whole run of of these um you know these avengers movies it's sort of it's always been i don't know he's always been that type of character so yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it was it was just a, it was just an, a, a great scene to shoot and you know it was one of those scenes that i walked away and was just wishing we had even more time to like really i mean i remember florence to, you know again we got to those final moments of, of the scene and, and just um you know when she's finally kind of listening to him or it's fine you know, like and, and that's the fun of the scene too is that she knows early on, I think what he's saying is true, you know, like it's there and she, and, and it's almost, you're sort of watching someone kind of, you know, birthing, coming to terms with this other idea of, you know, someone who's been so set on a, on a, like a, an emotional path or on a mission and, and watching them realize, you know, that, that they're not going to see it through and, and kind of wrestling with that. And Clint knows that too. And he's sort of, you know, trying to let that play out. And so, and I think Florence did this amazing job of sort of working towards that transition and, and, and you see it, and I, but I, I remember again. We we got to that moment, and and yes, tears were, tears were coming, and she and, and it was very raw. And uh, but yeah, it was like our first take, and we were a little too wide. <laughs> and I remember it was like this beautiful performance, and but I was just like, I I knew I was like, oh, I gotta go in more, you know. <laughs> so I went over and was just like, I you know, because she really it, like it, it was one of those performances i felt like she'd left it all on the table and so i and i, I was just like oh god i gotta go and ask her to do it again because uh, <laughs> i was like i gotta get in there and but and she was great but it, i remember there was like a look on her face <laughs> it's just like, like i'm sorry <laughs> but she delivered i mean it's you know she she did it again i'll need a bit of time i'll need a bit of time reese just give me five minutes yeah, i'll be fine yeah, yeah. Um, where, where did the idea of the whistle come from as the as the the thing that really breaks down her defenses the the natasha whistle i mean again i think it's just there in the you know i i i think again i can't remember where 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 it came in um or, or with that duration of that scene um incorporated that again it might just been there in that first draft but the you know again it was that thing that you need he need we need to get to that point where she, you, you wanted the audience to think she's going to kill him, uh, you know, was, was in the perfect world. You know, I think, I think as a character, you probably know that she wasn't going to do that, but, but I, you know, as we were shooting it, I wanted it 
trying to at least get to that point. And so you needed that extra, le- you know, how is Clint going to connect in that sort of on that extra level beyond just saying the words. And so, so yes, the, the whistle, which, you know, which we've sort of seen in Black Widow and, and you know, that it, I don't know, again, it's, it's that other level of communication and that other level of intimacy. And so, um, so again, I feel like we just had that tool to pull on to, to, you know, again, to kind of, for Clint to make that, take that extra step. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It was a great idea. I, I, I can't claim it. Um, but I can't remember where exactly <laughs> it, it came from e- either, but, um, I mean, I, I guess, I'm guess black widow is where it came from. <laughs> it's in the ether. It's in the ether somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk about that relationship between Yelena and Kate, which is really funny and, you know, it feeds into their, their banter in the lift, with, you know, Kate pressing every button <laughs> in, the, in the lift. Yeah. Uh, and you also have that, that wonderful tracking shot that tracks their fight through the through the corridor uh which must have been very yeah, yeah. very fun for you to stage uh was that something that you realized once Haley and florence were doing scenes together in in episode five it was like oh this is something we got to do more of in the finale or was that always baked into the script that that banter relationship between the two of them it was always kind of baked in there i i think we knew that they were going to be character characters and, and performers that were going to us off each other well and and um you know just because of kate's energy throughout and what we've seen of elena and so that, you know i think we so we always kind of knew that so yes i, I think even before we got to shooting anything with them the you know that 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 sort of sequence of her chasing elena sort of as elena is chasing clint was always in there and, and was always built around this idea that they were essentially not they were not trying to hurt each other you know they were sort of trying it was really no one's no one's going to get killed in this fight, and that's that's the fun of it is that there's these two these two wonderful characters sort of pulling the punches, and, and you know Yelena especially, who is a trained killer, you know is like, is very much kind of you know uh, walking that line. So yeah, it was always there, and um, but but then of course when we yeah when we got to do it, it it, it was luckily like a confirmation of like you, you know oh this is this will be great, uh, and yeah it was it was fun. I remember the costume reveal in the elevator that was always a concern. I was just like, how's this gonna is it going to work when 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 Elena sort of catches hold of the, oh, yeah. the dress and 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 uh, and so yeah, I remember being sort of a little nervous of like I hope this plays out, but yeah, Haley sold it uh, wonderfully, and then of course Florence's reaction to it, so, yeah, it's no, it was great. It's it's interesting as well, and you know, I, I love Kate's journey in the in the show, and it's interesting, for example, that well, she has her big hero moment when she dives out the window. I, I loved I loved that moment, but it's interesting that she's one who goes toe to toe with the kingpin, not Clint. Was that yeah. something that was always again baked into the script? No, I mean, I, I, yes, I mean, in in a way, uh, because because you knew that the real emotional payoff. Clint was really Yelena, so yeah. I, I think that always had to be the last fight. So, so, so I guess in a way it, it was, but um, but yes, it, it like I I wouldn't have seen her being the one confronting Kingpin at the beginning, and but yes, it's, it's sort of the perfect cat to her arc that, that she's left by herself in that moment that she's gone on this journey, you know, from from that sort of chaos of the wine cellar in episode one to to now she's against the sort of big boss man, and, and you know, and and you know, and I think the whole approach to that fight too is just that she. You know, she can't really get the upper hand on him. You know, like it's it's this. She's it's more like she's this like little attack dog that just won't give up, and and there's this annoyance, and and so it's not like she's again. She, it, when, you know, we're not sort of breaking the reality that she's this full fledged killer now either. That you know, like it's still Kate, and uh, and yeah, she's sort of just tapping into whatever you know, wiles uh, she's she's got to to do it. So um, yeah, no, it was 
I suppose it was inevitable that that was going to happen. Yeah. Also, it's more terrifying if you have this, you know, as we've seen, she's not on Clint's level yet. She's not on exactly. Elena's level yet. And now she's in the room with this massive, great, big, bulking guy who yeah. can rip a car door off with his bare hands. And, uh, you yeah. know, I was, <laughs> I was beginning to worry for her, even though I knew you're not going to kill Kate Bishop, but you might injure her, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. It's, no, I think it is. It's, I think that the version of Clint fighting Kingpin, yeah, would have been sort of probably a drier affair that, that, that you know, um, mm. would have had a sort of a, a, maybe a, like a macho quality to it and that, that's, that would have diminished it. Like you said, there's a sort of a danger there and a threat and, and you want, you know, um, and I, I like the way that Kingpin doesn't, you know, that he underestimates her too like the, and, and that you can sort of get to see um, the sort of patronizing tone in the air that, um, that, that she obviously sort of manages to, to quash. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think it all, you know, luckily worked out. It was a, that whole episode again. It's like there are so many confrontations and, and characters that you've got to try and bring together and and, and deal with things that it was. It was like this kind of you're constantly. It was like a puzzle that you sort of had to just keep moving in one piece and, and seeing how it knocked all the other ones. Um, <laughs> and pace, pacing it editorially was you know a, a, a feat in itself as well. Just because you know again bouncing between all those fights and sort of picking you know like when does when does this one resolve and making sure that, okay, if they're out of their fight, why are they not going to that place now and, and interfering with that? You know, so yeah. it, that, that, was, that was the trick of that whole thing is you had all these characters in the same place and sort of, you know, trying to make, make them not overlap at the inopportune times. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you've got, you got, you got Maya and Kazi, you've got Kingpin and yeah. Kate, you've got Clint and Yelena, you've got all those characters overlapping, you have yeah. Maya and, and, and Fisk at the end as well. It's, yeah. it's a hell of a thing. Yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's yeah, a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And uh, <laughs> and the Kingpin's a lot. And it's, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, and it's great to see him back as this character. Uh, this has been addressed slightly by Kevin Feige and by Vincent D'Onofrio, but it, as far as you're concerned, that is the Kingpin we saw in the Netflix Daredevil show. That's the same guy. I mean, again, I'm sort of more like, well, if they said it, then then, <laughs> then I'll just go with that. Um, again, I, I, all I can say, and, I, and this is my truthful answer, is just that when, you know, when I was when I was involved in conversations with Vincent and talking about the character and, and trying to just, you know, again, sort of just talking about the scenes that we were going to shoot, you know, my sense from Vincent was that, he, you know, he was very much, he was very much talking to us about, you know, as the character, you know, from as Kingpin from from Netflix in terms of sort of how he thinks and who he is and what he does. So I think that the base of that character is that. Um, but but yes, I, I don't want to get into any uh, hot water in terms of officially <laughs> stating yes or not. I've, that's a that's a lesson I've learned through this process of talking about Marvel in general is that you just not you cannot sound definitive about it. It's like it's not it's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But but one thing that does change um, is what the character is capable of uh, is you know mm. it's grounded uh, it's real world but you still have these moments these fantastical little little twinges I guess and one of them is the kingpin's strength and what he can endure he gets blown up by an arrow at the end and mm -hmm. he's he's hurt but he's still you know he's still relatively okay yeah. um, was that something that you guys discussed in terms of what he was capable of without being say quote unquote super powered yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously as, as we were mapping out those fights and, and mapping out that sort of journey at the end, the, um, you know, we were very much, the idea was that he needed to have this quality of, uh, you know, as a character, he is this, you know, 
obviously he's a big hulking character in the comic books and, and, and the idea of this immovable object um i think was the way we just thought of it you know like he's just this force of nature um and and yeah and and like the ripping the card off like you just wanted that kind of sense of presence um for it to make sense even that he you know to really understand the threat you know that he's you know again it's the, we've had the tracksuit mafia throughout who have sort of you know walks this line of of kind of being a a menace yet yet also you've gotten to know them you know they're not these not you know we, we gave them faces and mm. and and personalities and um so yeah it had to be this sort of next level uh presence and a dark shadow so you know in terms of the sort of grounding versus you know, the fantastical elements i mean I, I you know i think that's that's the fun of it of it being the mcu is, is that um again it's it's a slight tweak to reality and i and i think you know again i think it's it's if it makes sense in the story then then you know i think i, I still consider it grounded <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. and uh uh burton birdie got to introduce him kind of at the end of episode five with that that shot on the uh on the mobile phone uh but you got to introduce him properly in in episode six uh what was that like was that was was our introduction to wilson fisk again was that your introduction to him was that day one for you with with vincent or was it something else uh yeah yeah i know that was um pretty much uh yeah that was that was the introduction was um with, with those scenes at his uh restaurant because yeah even that shot of the end of episode five is obviously taken from the scene that we, that we shot in in, in 106 mm. um and uh yeah so no it was again it was it was this fun thing of just uh because it was it was definitely at the end of our schedule that we did those scenes too so um it, it, kingpin was this sort of otherworldly presence that like kind of like in the show that, that we knew he was there um but but yes in terms of physically meeting him and talking about the character sort of didn't happen until later uh in the day it sort of followed the, the arc of the show in some way so um yeah it was it was kind of it, it was interesting because i feel like he, it felt uh yeah it was sort of it was definitely mirroring the show in some ways and sort of the feeling on set of just like oh okay he's here now um yeah it was cool <laughs> did you know that it would um make people lose their shit or were you tracking it as as things went along you know for example when we see him first in the uh we see his hand in the flashback in, in maya's flashback you know and the, the 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 business is called you know fat man garage mm-hmm. so people are beginning to put two and two together here and come up with you know, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, Marvel fans are very smart uh, and and, uh, and will look at, at every frame. And, and so, um, yeah, I think there was always this understanding that it was going to, that people could start putting things together. Uh, and, uh, and you know, so it, it was, yeah, again, you, you kind of expect that reaction. and But, the, but the goal is, of course, that they don't get too far ahead of it either so that it's spoiled. And, and I think that was more the fear was just that, yeah, it would become too explicit or people would start talking about it too much. And, 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 you know, that, so you, you know, you, cause yes, you want that, you want that reveal to land as a reveal. And so that was, that was the bigger thing. Cause yeah, Vincent, you know, when he, so when he came to sets, he was, you know, under a cloak. Um, and it was all, and we were, we never said his name. Um, he, he was like the Voldemort of, uh, of our production that, uh, I think we only referred to him as the boss never said never said the k word um or vincent's name at all and and, and everybody is very good about it and, and you know but but uh, again marvel are like top tier in terms of keeping secrets uh like they really like know how to do it and and have an understanding of how it works and where where leaks can happen 
I mean, again, they, they, they should probably be handed government secrets going forward because they've, they've, they've got it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. If they were in charge, uh, our, our current government wouldn't be having the problems they have right now. Uh, <laughs> that party would not have got out, that is for sure. Um, but uh, just a couple of last questions, if you don't mind, Reese. I know I've got to let you go. Yeah, no. um, but um, but I, I wanted to ask also about that, that final confrontation between, between Maya and between Fisk, uh, where you cut away. Obviously, if you never see a body, then you can't assume anything. Uh, but that's right. a very deliberate decision to cut away. And also, mm-hmm. do we hear one shot or two? Oh, God, you put me on the spot now. I'm trying to remember. I, I want to say it's one. Um, I thought it was one, but someone said they heard two, and I just wondered if they were. I think it's I think it's one. Um, okay. Yeah, it's my mind. It's one. But, uh, uh, but yes, they're asking me directly in my brain, settling like, <laughs> um, You're like, Hawkeye? What's yeah, Hawkeye? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, is this yeah. show? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think it's one. Um, yeah, and you see, and we got a little flash of, of light uh, as well on those buildings behind, which I think happens one time. Yeah, um, it says two, then it's an echo. It's New York. I mean, those those streets they echo like crazy. Okay, echo for echo. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But, but that was always the plan to 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 cut away and and leave people guessing about what might have might have happened there. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. It, um, yeah. For for sure. That that's you, you know again. Um, like we said, the lesson in Marvel is don't be, de- don't be definitive about anything. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, again, I think it's, 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 it's good because, I, you know, to your question about Clint and the Ronin and burning the suit and, and you know, it's obviously, you know, Maya's on a journey and, 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 you know, and, and we're going to obviously see that continue. And, and so, you know, I think, I guess on a story level, shooting, you know, I think if, if it was an explicit, shot of you know of, of, of king Bin being killed there's something almost too clean about that uh, on a story level for the for the character as well you know that i, I think it, it you know you kind of need to leave that messiness of of, of non-resolution in the air i think for it, it's a feel right as well um on a, on a story level i think if it yeah so yeah fair enough and uh i i just want to talk very quickly by by shark as well, because uh, in the comics, he is the swordsman. Uh, he mm-hmm. goes to town on people with the sword here, which, yeah. uh, which I love. I think Tony Dalton's a, a lot of fun in, in this. Nowhere near as terrifying as he is in Better Call Saul, thank Christ. Uh, yeah. but, but was there, was that character tricky in terms of plugging him back into the main storyline? Uh, and so in the end, he just, he just runs around with a sword, which, which is tremendous fun, but was it, was it tough? Plugging him into Clint's storyline, or plugging him into Kate's storyline, and and and, in, in, and keeping track of that in the midst of all that that chaos. Yes, I mean, again, just on a more of an emotional level, because you know he is a character that we sort of leaned on as a as a as uh, you know as a vessel for for Kate's suspicions, and and you know just to kind of uh, yeah take take the story sort of one direction in the beginning, and and. And so it was a trick for Tony and for, you know, for us to kind of find the, the, the tone of him. We also always wanted him to be this kind of fun, slightly oblivious, rich guy character as well. Because, you know, you sort of also wanted to slightly, you know, tease the sense of this eccentricity about swords. Um, so, so walking that line with him, you know, was one layer. But then, yeah, in that final sequence of, of, of getting him in, because, um, you know, you saw him get arrested and, and, uh, and then sort of, you know, bringing him back and, and unresolved things with Eleanor, um, you know, and, and 
it, like it, again it was that layer of just like okay well how many questions is he gonna ask what, what you know where is where is he with Eleanor and, and which is what you know that scene in the kitchen when he comes in and he sort of just doesn't get to sit you know and, and and because of the way we sort of pitched the performance throughout it's like you you kind of understand he's not he's not going to be an insistent guy he's going to come in and hey we need to talk and then and then he doesn't get to do it and then and then it's like ugh, you know and he just moves on to the next thing so i think we sort of emotionally prepared you for that but um but yeah, yeah and you want it and i think also because he has been such a kind of a fun presence i think giving him a more of an heroic uh, moment and and you know kind of resolving him in Kate's eyes as well because it, it is unfinished finished business between the two of them if we just uh, let him kind of fall to the side so I think it it had to happen and uh, yeah I mean I had I had great fun with that character I mean again and, and Tony was super fun yeah we we were just every time we had a a Jack scene um, I, I had a joy in just feeding Tony random lines and, and watching his face distort as he as he you know he'd, he'd always just be like really i want to say that and he, he never quite he always had this funny sense of that energy of distrust of just like wait what am i like he like he wouldn't tony's the type of person he would he would just say you you could give him a line he would he he you could see the doubt on his face but he would say it even like all right sure i'll say it like whatever <laughs> he was great i, I yeah Amazing. I, I love the absurdity of him just turning up at the party with a sword. He just has a sword. And yeah. that's yeah. just that's just the way things are. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> he's just literally got out of the police station and he turns up at a place with a sword. <laughs> yeah, uh, with a sword, yeah. And then gets into a pissing match with a child. Yeah, which, yeah <laughs> <all right. laughs> That's a baller move and, and no mistake. Yeah. Uh, so the, the promised speed round. I have to ask about the watch because the watch is important, but we don't necessarily find out why the watch is important. So can you talk about that with obviously without telling us why the watch is important? I presume that's something we'll find out at a later date, or was that something that, that uh, wasn't resolved in the writer's room? What, what happened there? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, you know, it's the deep well of Marvel. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a story connection for, for, for Laura um, you know, I think again, yes, it was, it, it's in terms of where it goes, I can't speak to that. Um, but, but it's, you know, I, I think again, it was another, a, a little thing to leave you know, the end of the show, like a, a promise of, of, of something else. Um, there's something more for fans to investigate with regard to that character. Um, but, uh, you know, throughout the show, it was sort of also this other layer of threat for, for Clint that there was, you know, you had the sense that, that something, it was something else that could identify you know, uh, or, or sort of move in on, on the safety of his family. So, so watch this space. Oh, we shall. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just... I would say, yeah, watch this space. Yeah. Pun absolutely intended. Uh, and one of my, one of my pet theories all the way through the show, and it was completely not utterly debunked by the end of the, the final episode was that Brian Darcy James was going to return as <laughs> Kate's father, that he hadn't actually died in the battle of New York, that he and Eleanor had, seized upon the moment to to cover up his death take the insurance money and that she was still in touch with him somehow um and also because i was thinking you're not going to cast brian darcy james just for one prologue and then not bring him back he's brian darcy james but that's exactly what you did reese <laughs> was, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. was that always the plan um i you know i i it, it, you know there, there was different iterations of, of that but but yes uh, you know once we were shooting that that was the uh, the plan and, um, and, you know, Brian, uh, you know, in my, in my world, he, he died and he, and he, and he was reincarnated as Officer Krupke. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that was what was meant to be. 
True, and of course, Eleanor. Uh, it, was, it was for the eagle. It was like the real eagle-eyed fans that would, would that, that yeah would, would just speculate based on star power. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good red. Herring. That's it. You guys yeah. know exactly what you're doing. You're just you're just reeling them in. You're just fishing and getting people <laughs> yeah, like exactly. me going. They would never cast Brian Darcy James for one five-minute appearance. What are you doing? Yeah. He's he's going to come yeah. back. He's pivotal. <laughs> uh, and of course, Eleanor has a th- a thing for for blokes with with tashes. So you know, yeah, maybe there's exactly. maybe there's something yeah. going on there. Uh, so what's next? Well, what's next for you? Have you, uh, you know, now that Hawkeye is, is settling, have you? What are your plans? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm taking a, I'm taking a little uh, sort of tonal detour and revisiting um, my, uh, my, you know, again, not not content with a massive audience. I'm going back to documentary now. Uh, we, we're doing um, season four of of that, and we're coming to the UK as well to to do it. So amazing. Um, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. It felt like a, a good chaser. Um, uh, to Marvel is yeah we're sort of just going to go and play in the absurd grounds of, of alternate reality documentaries um, for for a moment uh, while we reconfigure. I'm talking about myself in the royal we sense here, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's all good. It's all good. Has your Hawkeye experience will it inform or enrich documentary now in any way? Can you bring any are there any transferable skills from Hawkeye that could be applied? To documentary now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be way more entitled and uh, <laughs> demanding. Uh, what do yeah, you mean no, you can't I'm, do a CG owl? I demand a CG yeah, owl. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm actually curious too how that's gonna go because uh, yeah, no, we have a much much smaller crew and a much smaller budget, and uh, uh, um, you know, and it's joyful uh, in in sort of how how you know how we get to move and, and make that show. So. Uh, but yes, I'm curious. It's like it's. It, I'm not going to turn around and have you know 300 odd people um, looking at me. Wait, but it'll be it'll be more like about 15 people at most. Uh, so um, no, it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. Amazing. Well, I wish you all the best in that. I have remembered the last thing I wanted to ask you about, which was the. It's not the last Clinton Kate scene because that's obviously the scene at the at the farmhouse, but yeah. it's the scene where in that very lethal weapon. Die Hard style, our heroes are now being surrounded by cops and ambulance people, and you know they're they're decompressing a little bit. And Clint has that yeah. lovely line that can that confession. He says, you know, once in a while you come across somebody that who makes you better in every way. And being Clint, he doesn't then belabor the point. He doesn't say it's you, but he says enough. And that was just a I thought a lovely scene that encapsulated their their relationship yeah. and and how, and how it had grown over the six episodes. Um, was yeah. that something that? took a long time to finesse getting that relationship right and and bringing it to that that conclusion to that emotional conclusion it was a it was an evolving process i mean i you know i think that's what's great about you know working with both Haley and jeremy is um yeah you know i think i think a lot of the scenes especially i don't know at least the ones i did with them that that it was often about looking at it honestly you know there'd be the words on the page but then we would look at it and talk about it and and and, you know, kind of identify what was, yeah, what was emotionally true and, and what, what was the most pared down version of, of that. And, um, and I do remember that last scene, you know, in particular that Jeremy actually, I, I think, you know, was, I think there was a much sort of longer, more sincere speech where he was a bit more explicit um, in the script and, and, you know, finished Jeremy. I, I think, you know, he, he was the one who sort of pared it down to that and also, had the sense that, you know, uh, you know, or rather I, it was one of those ones where we, I think we paid it down and then, and then, and I think together then we sort of also kind of tweaked it to sort of, un, that he undercuts it with the sort of, you know, switch to, you know, uh, to messing with her about, about Missy, uh, Missy's role in it. But, um, 
Yeah. So it was, you know, and again, it, I, I think that's, that's, that's a fun, again, when you're working with an actor that knows the character as well as someone who's been playing him for 10 years. And um, I, I think it, it, yeah, there was an often, it was, it was great. It's just a useful tool of just, you know, a, a really, you know, again, he knows, he, he knows it so well. So um, yeah, those, those moments and then calibrating that relationship and understanding was, was something that I, it, it could have been, it could have been a lot harder. Let's just say that, mm. but they were, they were great. Absolutely. Well, Reese, you give me far too much of your time, uh, for which I thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, no I'm going to let you go. I've just noticed that's a Christmas tree behind you, isn't it? Or, or, or it's, a de- it's, a, it's, a, it's an undecorated <laughs> Christmas tree that, you know what, we, we, we were going to throw it out last week and we took all the decorator and then my kids, they, they insisted that they love the smell of it. Uh, and so we, I don't know, we, for some reason we're like, okay, we'll keep it around for another week. So it's been sitting here naked in our living room, um, <laughs> just dropping pines on the floor uh, for oh this, my God. the whole time. Yeah, today's the today's the day. Yeah, it's like a bleak metaphor for the end of Hawkeye. It's like it's over now. It's yeah, done. Yeah, it is. Christmas is gone. I, you know, it's like a, it's it's a permanent fixture in our house that we're now going to have this Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's sad. I mean, I, I'll admit, I totally get where they're coming from. I used to, I remember how bleak, uh, you know, when those decorations started coming down. Yeah, uh, you, you'd want to hold on to it for as long as possible. But there's something I don't know. Yeah, because I think because of Hawkeye, it does have this extra <laughs> mean layer of meaning to it <laughs> amazing well we'll check it for cg owls just to be on the safe side but uh <laughs> reese thomas yeah, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much man thank you thank you very much thank you cheers and that was reese thomas hopefully he has now taken down the christmas tree it is now the first of march he's got no excuse if he hasn't uh, and that is it for our spoiler special coverage of hawkeye yes indeed all the deep dive episodes we did plus interviews with bert and birdie and now this in-depth interview with reese thomas i hope you enjoyed it sound issues notwithstanding. Our weekly MCU spoiler special start up again on March 31st, when we'll be discussing the first episode of Moon Knight. Will we be able to tell the difference between our waking life and dreams? Find out soon enough. And of course, there will be lots of other spoiler specials coming your way over the coming weeks and months as well. So keep your eyes pinned to our feed to see what goodies we're dreaming up for you. In the meantime, thank you so much as ever for subscribing to the Spoiler Specials and for supporting us. It really does mean a lot. And thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.